Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon Series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like he loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it. of the great theologian Buddy. Um, The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Y'all did a fantastic job with that. I love hearing the voices and the carols. Monica did a great, like singing loud and celebrating the good news that's been given to us. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I wish, wish you a very Merry Christmas. My name is Nick Allen and I'm blessed to get to be the campus pastor of this location of Rolling Kills. I'm thrilled that we get to celebrate today Christmas Eve in person with one another. There was a moment when we thought that that might not happen, but here we are. We made it and I'm glad that you're here to join us tonight. I'm really glad that there's kids in the room and we are so excited for you because Christmas is so special, especially when we get to be around you guys. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you that I, in my mind, at least mentally, straddle multiple generational stereotypes in life. I was technically, just by date of birth, born at the tail end of Generation X, and I clearly identify with that, but I try to dress a little younger, and I do know the difference between Beyonce and Sia, so I can hang with the millennials to a degree, um, but I also don't know how to use my iPhone very well, so boomers, I'm right there with you, and I understand the struggles that we all face. I was this many years old when I saw Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster break the internet. This may feel like a long time ago because we've done all of Thanksgiving and a whole lot of Christmas since then. In fact, we've done an entire series in the life of Rolling Hills, and you may not remember it, but on November 15th of this calendar year, the whole internet went bananas over concert ticket sales, and I missed it. Did not know what was happening. I turned on social media midday to find out that half the people we know in the country have been on their phones and on their computer screens for as much as six hours waiting for a countdown to allow them the opportunity to purchase a ticket online because she's having concerts. And I had no idea. I I do know that Taylor Swift is a big deal, and I do know that she puts out new records, and I know that there are concerts coming, and that that's real fun, but I had no idea all the trouble that was going and all the turmoil that was happening and how many literal millions and millions and millions of people, so many in fact that the internet could not apparently handle the volume of it, and we almost just shut the nation down because people couldn't 
get their tickets. And there's a Christmas message in here somewhere. (laughs) I do think it's possible to know that somebody is famous and to know that they're a big deal and even to be able to name some details about them and still miss something that matters. Apparently, you can be a super fan and get special permission to log on early to get some tickets in advance. And people were talking, I'm 55,000 in the queue, I'm 5,000 in the queue, I'm fourth, like literally watching the numbers go down so that they can make this very exciting, maybe even a Christmas present purchase. And sometimes I sit back and wonder if, if, if not the World Wide Web, but the whole world could handle it if all Jesus fans, like all the people that just loved and wanted to celebrate Christmas, and if we all did it all at once in one place at one time in one specific way, would the world be able to handle the volume of everything that it is? We've said this entire Christmas series, which has been a strange one for us as a church, as we've looked at the five love languages, and many people have come like, that's a book I was given when I got married that many years ago because I was supposed to know how to love my spouse better, and they were supposed to know how to love me better. How in the world does that relate to Christmas? And we've continued to learn week after week after week. It may relate more to Christmas than half the other stuff that we do in the world. We've said this over and over. It's possible to know the details of Christmas and still misunderstand what matters. You can know that Taylor Swift is a real big deal and have completely missed what went on on November 15th. You can know that this story that this Christ at Christmas is a very big deal and yet still miss what matters most about it. In fact, so many people at Christmas, and maybe only at Christmas, they, they celebrate what this is and what it means. They, they talk about Jesus, and they talk about the manger, and they talk about the shepherds, and they talk about the wise men, and they talk about the angels, and they talk about even the prophecy, but somehow miss the forest for the trees. That's why we spend so much time not just talking about Christmas, but talking about Easter, because if you don't know the reason why he came, you misunderstand something really important about the story. As a family, my wife and I have purposefully chosen to lean as far away from the idea of presents and gifts as we can at Christmas. We give the kids four presents, want, need, wear, read. It's a real easy poem, and it governs the way that you spend and sometimes how much you spend every single year. You know, on average, we spend individually about $875 per person on Christmas gifts. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you multiply that by how many of us there are in the United States, we spend in excess of $940 billion. Gifts are a really big deal. Sometimes Susan and I go overboard trying to make gifts not the center of the day, that we miss the opportunity that they provide. I get it. As as much as we want Christmas to be meaningful, And it's far too often material, but there is something that gifts provide for us that's a little bit different. And that's the Christmas story that we intersect with today and where gifts and the idea of giving and receiving comes to be a really big part of it. In Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is already here. 
And it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, that's short for magicians, these are sorcerers and astrologers and people who studied the stars and looked at ancient words of prophecy to try to figure out the times of things when they were going to happen from the east came to Jerusalem. A lot of scholars believe that these are magi from the land of Babylon where Daniel and his brothers had been taken in the Old Testament and that these are age-old prophecies that they heard from that Jewish kid himself and now they've been waiting these millennia in order to be able to discover. And so they come and ask, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? They said, we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. The Bible says that when Herod, this king, he heard all about this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And so when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, if you read much of the New Testament, you'll encounter this group of people named the Pharisees. They came to power in the time between the Testaments, in between the old and the new. The Pharisees rose as the protectors of the law and as the people who were going to be the prophetic and the rabbinical voice to make sure that the Jews understood what the Old Testament words meant. And they were so protective. These are the experts that... He called together to try to figure out what was going on. And he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And they quoted the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when, they rose, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they, they bowed down and they worshipped him. Now, our mangers get it a little bit wrong. They sure are pretty, and they sure are ceramic, and you don't want your kids to touch them because they may break it. But the wise men coming to the manger to see the hours-old infant is probably not part of the story. These guys are anywhere from one to two years after the fact, traveling as long as six months. We talk about people been waiting for six hours. That's how long it's going to take us to drive to North Carolina later this week to visit family, and it's going to be a little bit too long. These guys traveled for six months in order to be able to find this child, and Jesus is anywhere from one to two years old at this point. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, because on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. I could read that verse ten times. Their response these wise men from afar, upon seeing the child, was worship. And scripture says they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of, you know it, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are mighty strange gifts for children. <laughs> like, I don't know what a baby's going to do with gold, but some of y'all just elbowed your spout. Like some lady in the room just elbowed and said, I hope I'm getting some gold tomorrow. And you're thinking, oh no, it's too late to shop. The idea of gold would have been presented to royalty. These guys weren't just giving a good gift. They were acknowledging who Jesus was, the king. This idea of frankincense would have been something that a high priest burned as incense. And because Jesus came not only to be king, but to be our priest and to mediate between us and God and make there be an open connection between us down on earth in spite of our sin and our heavenly father. Man, oh man, incense was the perfect announcement about who he was. Myrrh, that's where you get medicine. I am going to have medicine in my stocking because there's going to be a little pack of Tums in there. Always is. It's just a good thing to have around. 
but myrrh is typically used as an embalming agent for a dead body. And so these guys, not even knowing the announcement that they were making, that this king was going to be a suffering savior and that it was going to be his death that made a way for us. And it says in verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Christmas is supposed to change us. It's supposed to make us different. In fact, if you're ever with us when we're praying this prayer on a Sunday morning, that's often what we pray for people when they gather. That's something about the way that we gather, something about the songs that we sing, something about the words that we read, something about the prayers that we pray, something about the moments that we have together in this room, in this place, at those times, would change us so much at our core from the inside out that when we leave here, we're different than the people who walked in. Somehow we're more encouraged. Sometimes we're more hope-filled. Somehow we can be more challenged and more changed to better be the people that Christ has created us to be. May we be different because we encounter him. That's the goal. You know, the best gifts that we celebrate at Christmas are, are, are for those and from those who love you. We love giving gifts to our children. Scripture says that, that the Father in heaven loves giving good gifts to his children. They're our favorite people to, to buy for and to get excited about. And we cherish every single moment of watching them open those gifts because we love them and because they love us. The best gifts that you give this year are for the people that you love in the meticulous way that you have planned and prepared and sacrificed and saved in order to give them those good gifts. It probably wasn't for your boss or for your neighbor those are just the awkward, obligated ones that we feel like we have to do. But for, for your kids, for people that you love, for your significant other, for your parents, like you love giving those gifts. You also love receiving those gifts from people that love you so much so that a macaroni card that your child made is worth far more to you than an Apple Watch under your tree this year. You hear that, kids? Your parents love the stuff that you make for them. And the more glitter, the better. They are so excited to receive whatever you can put together and find. Because it's not what the gift is. It's, it's who gave it. Most famous verse in all of scripture, the one that kids memorize if they grow up in the life of the church is John 3, 6, like NFL players put it on their cheeks before they go out to a big game. John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave it's the Greek word didomai, and it's literally giving out of no obligation, giving out of no understanding of what you might get in return. It's literally the act of giving to someone who cannot earn it and does not deserve it. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son. That is the most precious gift that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, the tradition of gift giving, as much as the idea of a love language called physical touch or words of affirmation or acts of service or quality time, this act of gift giving, this tradition that we engage in, we can certainly get lost in it, but it really does have an opportunity for us to leverage and emphasize eternal things. This idea of giving gifts to others gives us an opportunity to talk about the gift that God has given to us. It says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin, because of our sin, because of what we do that separates us from God, we actually deserve death. But God, why? Because he loves us, John 3.16, gave us a gift, and it's eternal life, abundant life, precious life. Through what? Through Jesus Christ, our 
Lord. That, Christ in our place, is the ultimate greatest gift. That's what the wise men gave to, and that's what they received as they recognized who this Christ child was and who he actually came to be. We celebrate Christmas because we've received the absolute greatest gift. And it's so that we can share the absolute greatest news. Paul goes on to write in the book of Romans chapter 10, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. This is it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, we can make as many stipulations as we want to. We can come up with as many imaginary lines as we want to of what people have to do in order to be worthy of Christ and what people have to do in order to come to Christ. That's what the Pharisees were famous for, building hedges and setting up fences to make it hard for people to see who God was and hard for people to recognize how much God loved and hard for people in order to come to faith. That's what the Jewish church did at the very beginning. They made it hard for Gentile believers who were not of Jewish birthright to come to faith in Christ. We can add as many stipulations. You have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to believe it. Like we can add as many layers as we want to, but the bottom line is the only thing that matters is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the one thing that leads to salvation. Paul writes, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. It's just belief. And confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call. There's an unlimited supply of his love and grace. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on him if they haven't believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. The prophet Micah announced 600 to 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem that that's where the Savior would come. Wow. The wise men traveled six plus months in order to find that child, to worship him, and to present him with gifts that declared who he was. He's the very best gift. And it is possible. It's possible to realize one day, to know some details about Christmas. To, to, to understand, oh yeah, Jesus is a big deal. People celebrate him at Christmas. But to completely miss why it matters. On November the 16th, I went downstairs at our office, actually here in this building, to Justice and Mercy International, and I found a staff member down there who is 10 plus years younger than I am and also way cooler than I am, and I said, tell me what happened yesterday. I don't understand what was going on with the internet. What in the world is this thing about Taylor Swift, and why are people so bent out of shape because they couldn't go online and buy a ticket? Even I know how to use my credit card, and she explained it all to me. I wonder how many people out there are going to bed tonight and waking up tomorrow and thinking to themselves, oh yeah, Jesus, he's a big deal. Manger, wise man, shepherd, songs, I get it. But they're missing just how important this moment is. They just need somebody younger and cooler to tell them. And that's you. Really? Yeah. We're the people who, are, who have seen a great light and who now get to take that great light to everyone that we know.
That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.